Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. coronavirus hit everything has been topical everything has been dealing with that of the day and and I don't know about you but you know even when we watch tv and we see facebook and we see what's going on and now Atlanta is just a topsy-turvy and uh, they've got crazy things going on in there it just makes me wonder you know what is going on you know, am I the only one that thinks that? I mean, it's not that I don't know. I mean, I know God is in control. Amen? God is in control. And I'm not. And maybe that's what's got me freaked out. And that I can't control what I do. I can't control what happens around in the world. The only thing that I can control is what God gives me control over. And that is to obey Him. So today I'd like to tell you that I got some slick new sermon series or uh, some great expositional, expository, great truth. But I'm going to tell you what God told me. He said, man, James, you just got to get back to the basics. He said, you know, all of these things going on, you need to get back to the basics. And so God led me to share with you what God has shared with me this morning. And what I'm talking about this morning is God's greatest hits. God's greatest hits. And these are are, when I say greatest hits, I mean these are Bible verses that you probably have known since you're a child. If you are a child, you probably already know them or you're well on your way of knowing them. You've heard them. You've quoted them. I've certainly preached on them plenty of times. But sometimes those most simple things mean the most. Now, we need to remember and meditate on popular Scripture passages to help focus our thoughts and emotions, because if I take my mind off of the Bible and I put it on my news feed, or if I put it on uh, the, the Facebook feed or, or the opinions of others, man, it, it just it starts to wear on you. And we can uh, debate on why this is happening and the conspiracy theories behind it and all that kind of stuff, but basically our world has lost its mind because they have lost their desire to follow God's Word. And so when we see that, we need to remember the classics. Now, each generation has their favorite type of entertainment, their favorite type of clothing styles, their favorite trends and the favorite worldviews. I'll tell you, some of the things I love doing is floating around this church. There are old church directories. And man, <laughs> can, can you see some, some styles? I mean, it, some of you may remember the beehive hairdos. Man, they were in plenty here in Almond Park and everywhere else. But there again, somebody would probably look at my yearbook and, and my pictures of growing up and say, man, what were you thinking? And, and those of you that are young and think you got it all together, they're going to say the same thing about you when you get older. But I knew I was getting old when they started playing songs from the 80s on the radio and they called it classics. And, and I don't want to admit that songs from the 80s, which in my opinion are the best songs ever, they're over 40 years old now. How's that for some reflection? <laughs> Man, I, I cannot believe it. And those of you that are older, you, you enjoy your songs too. And, you know, I had to admit that music has matured for 40 years. And there is something about a song or a show from the past that reminds us of a special moment. I mean, it may be television. 
It may be an old show that you used to watch with your family. It may be a song that you remember. It may be a movie that reminds you of your childhood. Every time I see the movie Star Wars, and there's so many Star Wars movies out, I think the one I'm talking about is, uh, is, is the fourth one, which is actually the first one they made, I think, and where that big old ship flies over at the beginning. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Just hang with me for just a second. But but this big old ship just starts slowly flying by. And I can remember being a kid and going, whoa. So every time I see that movie, I think about my childhood. Every time I hear a song, I think about different things that are attributed to that song. And you see, God has wired us, folks. God has wired us to appreciate those things from our past. Why? So that they can encourage us now. I guess you could say, look at them as milestones. I don't know some of you that that uh, have got uh, spouses, had spouses, got girlfriends, or want to have girlfriends. You, you will end up having probably a song. You know what the song is, right? What is the song? Come on. What is the song? What does the song do? Takes you back. It rem- uh, for Donna and I, it's Angel Eyes by Jeff Healy. You know, I know I'm a preacher. It should have been uh, How Great Thou Art. But no, it was uh, Angel Eyes by Jeff Healy. That's our first song we slow dance to, right? And so every time we, we hear that song, we just, oh. And every one of y'all have got a song. And if you don't, you're looking for one. And I hope you find one. But when I see, when I hear that song or I see movies that I used to watch with my dad and laugh at, I, I, I have to stop and just enjoy those things. And, and, and maybe I'm chasing a rabbit, but I think what I'm trying to say is, is that these, these things are, are milestones or benchmarks. So when a certain song comes on, you can remember either that person or that memory. So songs and movies are one thing, but the, the biggest thing is how about hymns and scriptures? Some of you, when you hear hymns and you hear scriptures, you will remember your parents teaching you that. Or you will remember them maybe helping you memorize those verses. Some of you, every time you hear a certain hymn, you're going to think about your loved one that you buried while it was playing. Some of you will hear scriptures that were used in things like your salvation or leading someone else to Christ. Or in weddings or in funerals. So this morning, I want to take us just a few of God's greatest hits in Scripture. And this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but it's just an attempt to identify maybe a cross-section of Scriptures that mean so much to so many people. So grab your Bible, get your notepad, and get ready to walk through a few of God's greatest Scriptures. The first one we see is, is the old faithful, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And what we see in Psalm 23 is that we can find comfort by following God's lead. We can find comfort in following God's lead. How do we see that? Well, in verse 1, in verse 1 of Psalm 23, now I'm reading out of New Living Translation, but there are many translations that are just as good. Some would argue even better and some would argue worse. But it says, I remember, I'll always remember the King James because that's how I remembered it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know that. Well, the New Living Translation says the same thing. Basically, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. 
There was a man who narrowly survived a tornado. Without warning, one night he was awoken from a deep sleep when he heard the sound of a freight train outside of his house. But the thing was, they lived nowhere near railroad tracks. So the man and his family survived the night, but he was injured severely. And so he was never the same after that, not because of his injuries, but because of the fear that there would be another tornado. If another tornado were to hit, there would be nothing that he could do. So every day he lives with the fear or lived with the fear of surviving that tornado. So one day his children got wise. One day his children built a cellar underground where he could shut the doors and be safe. The moment he stepped into that cellar, his anxiety dissipated. Because he knew that he could live his life without fear because he had the protection of the cellar. My friend, we endure all kinds of tornadoes and hurricanes and moral dilemmas and social injustices and things that that are going on today. And those things will not stop because we live in a fallen world. But we need to know where to find comfort. And true comfort comes from a relationship with the shepherd. If you notice in verse 1, comfort is found in claiming the shepherd. What does the writer say? The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need or I shall not want or whatever translation you have. Folks, this does not come natural to us. Now, you want to talk about claiming somebody. You just look at kids on a baseball field or a football field and they do something outstanding. What do the parents do? That's my boy. That's my boy. That's my girl. And we claim them. And sometimes when they're younger, kids will claim their parents. That's my mom and dad. Then when they become teenagers, they don't want to do that anymore. Uh, but they still love you. Trust me, they still love you. But the thing is, is that we can define what or who we consider our shepherd by our checkbooks and our calendars. If you want to find out what's leading you, who is leading you, Look at your time. Where do you put your time and where do you put your money? Who or what dominates your thoughts, your energies, and your resources? Our lives can be cluttered with many good things that pull our dependence on God as our shepherd and leader. I mean, one of those people that are at the church every time the door is open, you have your name is on about three-fourths of the nomination list of everything that we do here. You can do the soup kitchen. You can do, uh, you know, all kinds of ministries. You can do just stay so busy for the Lord. But if you don't make time for the Lord, you can fill your life with good things. But if you don't take time to be led by the shepherd, you are going to feel lost. Do not let what you read or post sway you away from God's leading. Because here's the thing, folks. These days are ever-changing. These days are ever-changing, but God is never-changing. And I want to give you two quick verses that you can put in your memory banks, you can put in your notes, and you can go back to later. Now remember, we the psalmist said, The Lord is my shepherd. Here's what's important about that. Is that in verses 14 and 15, Jesus is speaking, and he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, 
and they know me. Just as my Father knows me, I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Folks, the sheep trust the sheep for protection and food. They know as long as they see the shepherd, they will not. I mean, as long as they see the shepherd, they will be taken care of. You realize that, right? I mean, sheep normally, unless they are being like attacked or they're being, you know, in in some terrible weather or something like that. Most of the time, the sheep are pretty calm because the shepherd is there. And that means if we keep our eyes on Jesus, the good shepherd, we will not be as anxious and we will have all that we need. Maybe not what we want. But what we need now, look, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching it myself at the same time. Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. I guarantee you come November election, somebody will not be happy with the results. Whatever it may be. And the Christians, they'll get around their biscuits at Hardee's. And they will tell everybody about how bad it is. Everybody will be talking about it at a beauty shop. They'll be posting their favorite memes on Facebook. And it may be a change. It may be a not a change. I don't know. But I know one thing that's not changing. And that is Jesus Christ. And so if your faith is in Jesus Christ, whether you are 17, 7, or 70 above, We know that he is not changing. The Lord is my shepherd. This is not a question. This is a statement. It's not a request. And so let me ask you this. The next time you get anxious, what do you think will happen if you say in your own heart, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. When you start, your nerves start getting torn up because somebody's talking about this stuff or you you don't know what you can do. Just stop for a minute and say, the Lord is my shepherd And claim it. You claim that scripture and you will find calm. You don't need an app by LeBron James to find calmness. I don't know if you've seen that commercial. I'm sure it's a great app. And if some of you like to meditate and hear the, the, the rustling brooks and the winds and the streams, I like that kind of stuff too sometimes. But I'm not going to get the soul rest. My soul will not rest. In anything other than knowing that Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, is my shepherd. And he says, I have all that I need. Folks, God will provide for you. God has provided for us even before we knew what we needed. Think about the fact that God created everything. This means that all we require to live has been previously made by God. So when does anxiety creep in? It comes in when we don't have Everything that we want. It's a sad day when we when we we focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have, and Satan gets us. But you know, when we have a need it now mentality, we will have anxiety. Many of you can picture a child throwing a tantrum because they didn't get what they wanted. Maybe it's a toy, maybe it's attention, maybe it's food or more. But they know that in the moment, their greatest need is. This, whatever it is, and if it's not met, they are going to act out. And everybody is going to know how they feel. We have to remember something. If you look at the rest of Psalm 23, we need to remember the benefits of following the shepherd's lead. We need to remember the benefits 
of following the shepherd's lead. Now, this is not some slick list I've put together that rhymes or has alliteration or anything like that. You can go find this list for yourself by going through verses 2 through 6. Remember the benefits of following the shepherd's lead. We see that when you need rest, you will find it. We see that when you need strength, you when you are empty, he will give it. It says he renews. We see that it gives us direction when we feel lost because it says he guides me along the right path. We even have boldness to walk. There are some days where I don't even know if I have the strength to put one foot in front of the other. And then there are other days where I feel like I can take on hell with a water pistol. But again, it doesn't matter how you feel. The fact is, is that when you need direction and when you need boldness to walk, it comes from him. Even when it's scary to do so. Also, we see that we have protection from our enemies. We see that we are blessed to do his will. And we also see that we have eternal blessings and eternal homes. My friends, you will receive blessings for being here today. It may not be monetary. It may be. I don't know. But if nothing else, you will remember being here. Your children may remember being here. I'll tell you what, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear Christians and pastors and missionaries weep over their children that have gone wayward. It's heartbreaking. But you know what? The blessing is whatever that was sowed in that person's life will be what brings them back to it. You know, he talks about in there, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death was a literal place that people would walk through that was treacherous and where bandits would, would hide and, and, and steal and, and hurt people. So instead of trying to get through the valley of death quickly, maybe the best thing that we can do is stop right when we're in the middle of it and spend time with the shepherd. Stop and spend time with the shepherd. The second thing, the second verse I want to look at is an old faithful one. John 3.16. We hear it so much. We say it so much that I'm afraid sometimes we become desensitized to it. Kind of like a callus. But folks, God's love for you is proven. God's love for you is proven. In John 3.16, read it. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Anyone that has been around church for any amount of time has heard this verse. But look, it's not rocket science for me to tell you this, but it is huge. Listen, three words. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I know it's hard. If you're watching on the, look at the screen. God loves you. God loves you. And God loves you. Don't take that for granted. 
Don't think that it's all about what you do for him. God has done so much for you. God loves you. And no matter how bad this world gets, you must remember that God loves you and sent his son to save you. As crazy as our news feeds look on our social media, as crazy as our news channels are reporting what's going on here, God still loves us and has a purpose in this. But many want to know how God can allow these bad things to happen if he loves us. How can God let this craziness go on? I would say, do you remember the the prodigal son parable? Do you remember that? The prodigal son wanted to take his inheritance and he wanted to go and live his life on his rules. And so he went, he lived a fast life. He burned through his money. He burned through friends until he finally found himself empty and alone, eating out of a pig trough, eating slop. And thinking, man, at least when I was at home, I might have been on restrictions and not been able to do much, but at least I had a meal. So he says, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go back home. Here's the thing. He came to his senses. What did he remember? He remembered his father's love. And if you read the parable, go back and read it. The father didn't say, "Uh uh-huh, I told you so. Chop and give me 20 before you come in the house. Put your muddy boots at the door. Have my servants servants clean you off. Then you go to your room and you think about what you've done. No, he didn't. He wrapped his arms around him. He gave him the family ring. He gave him a robe. And he said, my son who was once dead is now alive. Let's celebrate and have a party. What brought that kid home? He remembered his father's love. See how crazy this world is getting. When you see how crazy your life is, remember that father that wept as he watched his son walk away from the family farm. When you as a parent see your child doing that you know is wrong, but you know you have to let them learn on their own. It is that type of love that God is showing when this world is going crazy around us. God is not off of his throne. God is not absent. Everything is right in the middle of his hands. But he is showing us what it's like to live by our own terms and our own rules until we get to the point where the prodigal son got, where he said, I remember my father's love and I want to return. This world needs a return to God. That is when these things will stop. And you may not be able to change the world and get the world to return to God, but you can return to God. And if you return to God, that's one less to worry about, right? I have seen it where one family member returns to God, then another family member and they return to God. One person turns to God and all of a sudden their whole football team turns to God. One person turns to God and their entire workplace turns to God. Now, again, I can't fix the world. I surely can't fix my wife and my dog. I can't fix anybody in my church. But I can fix me. And prayerfully, if I fix me, it'll have an impact on other people. God loves you. And he has proven it. So don't doubt it when he's letting us find out what it's like to live apart from doing his will. 
because our world has lost its way because many want to live life by their rules. But remember, it is by God's love and grace that we are saved. Also, God defines love in this verse. Love is not what you see on a uh, romantic movie, a rom-com, or um, a Valentine's card. The basis for all love relationships is proving that you love someone to the point of sacrificing yourself for them. There are people that I will literally lay my life on the line for because I love them. You have that too. We hope that we're never called to do that, but laying our life down for somebody is not just stepping in front of the bullet. Laying our life down and saying, you know what, this is what I want, but this is better for you right now. This is what I would like to do, but it would be more beneficial if we wait and do something else. Look, this is what I want to do for you. That is love, sacrificial love. And if you want a definition of sacrificial love, Jesus Christ dying for your sins and mine, for people that don't even appreciate it, and God allowing his son to go through that, that is love. Jesus was the very antithesis, the opposite of selfishness. Because here's the thing, folks. When we focus our love on ourselves, what does it turn into? It's not rocket science. When we focus our love on ourselves, it becomes selfishness. But we can have hope because of heaven. Jesus says, believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, remember that God is in control. If you trust anything else, the end result of that, the end of that road of trusting anything but Jesus Christ is separation from God and perishing for eternity in hell. That's the truth. The Bible says it. This is not hate speech, though, folks. To tell somebody if they don't turn from their sins, oh, that's hateful. That's not socially sensitive. Folks, I'm sorry, it's the Bible. And I'm not saying this as a, a somebody preaching at you and, and yelling at you and trying to make you feel bad. I hope the Holy Spirit does that. You don't need me to make you feel bad because I feel bad enough about the stuff that I got in my life. That I have to repent for. That I have to ask for forgiveness for. But this is not saying when, when you say that God is in control in eternal life, that is not hate speech. That's not saying that somebody is trash or is wrong. The Bible says all of us are wrong, folks. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. So you may have a different than my sin, but we are all sinners. And the only way to inherit eternal life is to ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives. God loves you. God sacrificed His Son for you. And God wants you to be with Him today forever, regardless of the group that you identify with, regardless of what you wear. He loves you. So I pray that the Holy Spirit will prompt you to ask, what if this verse is right? And all that I am basing my life on will truly pass away and leave me separated from God. Again, that's not my words. It's God's. The last verse I want to share with you this morning is another popular one. I remember my mom teaching it to me. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust God and follow his path. Not one others tells you to follow. Trust God and follow his path. Not the one others tell you to follow. I know some of you sometimes, maybe one or two of you, I don't know, but some people write down the date beside a passage when I preach it. So just to make it easier on you, I preached this verse on April 26. Well, preacher, why are you going back to it? Because we still need it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do, and He will show you the path to take. My friend, trusting others is hard, is it not? It's hard to trust somebody without knowing you like a loving shepherd. It seems like everybody today has an agenda. Everybody has a hidden purpose in their words, in their leadership, in their action. Everybody takes what's happening and they put their spin on it so that it will benefit them. Many are leading others to follow them just to justify themselves for the beliefs that they hold. Their beliefs are based on public opinions and not God's word. Folks, I could sit here and I could preach everything else that you are hearing that culture is saying that is right that is opposed to the Bible. And people, it would tickle their ears and they would say, oh, he's just preaching great. But you know what? I cannot do that because it's not truth. This is truth. This is what we trust in. Not some type of amendment. Not some kind of declaration or executive order. When it comes down to it, I'm going to be the best citizen I can be, and we all should follow the laws that are put in place. But if there is ever a time where what the law says and this says is different, I'm hedging my bets on this. Because this is the advice of the Good Shepherd. It's hard to trust someone that has not demonstrated their love for you. Folks, God wired us for worship. That is why so many false prophets get so many people to follow them. You want to know the difference between a cult and true Christianity? I'll go ahead. Look, people ask me all the time, what does so-and-so believe? Some of them I know, some of them I don't. But I'll tell you what, the litmus test, the, the, the real quick test that you want to know whether somebody is following the Lord or a cult, what Do they do with Jesus? Is Jesus one of the many gods or is he the only way to God? If he is not the only way to God, then you, my friend, run from that. To not trust God with all your heart is to not trust him at all. Like When I go and I try to find an anniversary card or a, a birthday card or a Valentine's Day card, I don't look for one that says, Oh, honey, I love you with 99% of my heart. (laughs) I'd probably get it thrown back in my face. And rightfully so. Think about it. Someone looks at you and says, oh, you know, guys, you get your girlfriend, you know, they're looking at you and they say, oh, I love you 99% of most other guys. 99%. And you're like thinking, well, who's that got the extra 1%? Can we follow God and trust God 99% of the time? Or is that trust at all? It's not trust. What does the verse say? Trust in the Lord with 99% of your heart, doesn't it? 
Nope. It says all of your heart. Did you know that blind people ski? I mean, <laughs> when you think about that, you're like, Ooh, I don't know about that. Let me show you a picture. So everybody says? Not working? Just a side note, if anybody feels led to donate a laptop or a desktop computer to us, that'd be fine. Yeah, blind slalom skiing. Many of you will remember in 1988 the Winter Olympics, right? Well, after the Winter Olympics, they showed blind skiers. And this is how that worked. If you notice, there's a guy in a vest in front of the person behind him. Okay? So, Tristan wants to go home. Yeah. (laughs) All joking aside, there there is a skier in front of the blind skier. And so it sounds impossible, right? But what they do is they pair a blind skier with a sighted skier, and the blind skiers were taught on the flats of how to, to literally ski and to make left and right turns. So when it comes to the slalom course, the the skier with skite, Skype. The seer with sight. The seer with sight skis in front of the blind skier and yells. And, and that one actually has a microphone. And he says, turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right. And so that blind skier does exactly what the skier in front of them says. Well, that's a lot of pressure. Turn right. No, I mean left. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we follow and trust God, it needs to be the same. Because, folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you'd like to say that you know where your life is going to be headed, but we all do not know where we are going to be or what the future holds the minute we walk out of this door. I've been in church service and see people all of a sudden fall out and have to call EMS in the middle of a church service just like this. There have been people that have been walking to church and get hit out in the front. You preacher, you're being rude. I'm not being rude. I'm just being real, folks. We don't know what the future holds. We got to follow him in everything. And, and life is not a respecter of age. Trust me, I know. I've seen it. We can process an older person losing their life, but it's hard to process that of a young person. Losing their life. An infant losing their lives. But what a vivid picture of the Christian life. In this world, we are really blind about what course to take. So we must rely solely on God's word and the one who truly wrote it. And the one who has sight, and that is God himself. His word gives us the direction we need to finish this course. And we must know his voice and follow his direction. And here's the thing, folks. You will never know the path God has for you or his desired location for you unless you trust him today. When does it start? Not when you get older. But when you start, it starts right now. So in conclusion, I would say these three hits, play them over and over and over again in your head to the point where they are in your heart. Because Psalm 110, verses 105 says this. It says, 
Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. Folks, don't get too overwhelmed by what you see going on today. God is in control. And if you don't know what direction to go in, start looking at some of these greatest hits. And he will show you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together this morning, whether it be on Facebook Live or whether it be here. And dear Heavenly Father, I know that it's very easy to get anxious about what's going on today in our world. But you are in control. And help us to show the world that we can be calm, that we can be confident in you because your word tells us that you are the good shepherd, that we must follow you. So if there's anybody here today that has walked in here and it would honestly say, look, my nerves have been shot in recent days. I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to them through these scriptures. And if there is someone here today that does not know you and does not know if they will have eternal life in heaven, that they not leave this place before they talk with me or someone they trust about becoming a Christian today because you cannot follow the shepherds you do not know. If there's Christians here today that are discouraged, may these words encourage them. Thank you for this time together today. And may you bless us as we go out into this world. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.